Hey there, and welcome to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast, where we focus on re-sparking your inner purpose using empowered action and personal growth tools. I'm Jayla Ray Ardeline, your host and late career Army Mill Spouse. I joined this lifestyle later in life and the learning curve was gigantic. Since the day I said yes to this relationship over five years ago, I've been collecting and curating personal growth tools to support you. So excited you've tuned in. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast. I know it's been a few weeks since I've been able to release anything. Um, I wish I was one of those people who like makes and batch makes content ahead of time so that there's like never a break. I'm just not that person. <laughs> I think I've tried and who knows, maybe I will become that person in the future. And I have been sticking to a more regular schedule, but, uh, according to that schedule, I am behind when it comes to the podcast. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about mostly what it's like to prepare for an R and R also known as rest and recovery. And don't tune out yet. If you are not, if you're someone who knows that you're never going to get an R&R to prep for, it's actually more common for deployments to not have an R&R at all. Um, But don't tune out yet because there's still going to be a lot of resonance and I guess storytelling within this episode. Um, So there's still going to be good stuff here. Um, I think the number one thing that I realized when I was preparing for an R&R and I was sharing that with all of you um, on Instagram or on my email list, it was that most of you didn't even know what an R&R was. And I mentioned that to Jeremy and he was like, oh yeah, I mean, R&R is kind of like, it's not that it's an army exclusive thing. That's not what I'm going to say. It's just more likely <laughs> in the army because they are typically like longer stint deployments. So of course, if you've been through a three to six month deployment, it doesn't really make sense for them to get a break sandwiched in between there. Uh, it just means they're gone for the entirety of that time. And then they come home. So in this case, because this deployment was for a year, uh, he got to have a three week break. And I think I mentioned this, like, you know, at the very beginning of starting this podcast that I had really wished for him to have his break around the holidays because he left in July, 2021. And so that would be kind of like an even six month split, if you will. And he convinced me otherwise. He was like, first of all, I don't think it's very likely for me to get my R&R over the holidays when there are people over there who have been there longer than me. And so they probably need theirs first. They're first in line. And then secondly, he convinced me that it's better to have it in the second half of a longer stint deployment anyway, because then you don't have as much time on the back end for when you know, they go back way over there and then you're alone all over again. And I still think that that is true. However, this r r <laughs> was somewhat torture. And by that, I mean that I am in the week after he 
has left. Um, I'm recording and releasing this like very much in real time. <laughs> and I, it, it's painful. It is so painful. And it feels extremely similarly to when he first left, except times 10. <laughs> and I think I'm, I, I remember anyway, mentioning before that I was sort of anticipating that saying goodbye all over again was going to be very painful. And as much as I believe in self-fulfilling prophecies, I don't think it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I actually just think that I was being realistic and here it is, here I am in this time after he has left again, and it feels like torture. It almost feels like, wow, I don't know that that was a good move to have you home. Um, and I'm going to go into why, and obviously I can't change anything, but that's kind of just, that's kind of how I'm currently, currently feeling. So in terms of like preparing for an r and it's like this weird, like this strange mix of apprehension and excitement because it gives the two of you something to look forward to. Um, within the deployment itself. And it kind of breaks up the timeline in an interesting way, because then you're not looking forward to homecoming. You're looking forward to the R&R. &R. Um, and in this case, his was in the month of March. So that was about at the, by the time he got here, it was um, just before the eight month mark. So we had done a huge chunk of time already. Um, but yeah, so we, we were kind of like looking forward to that process. Um, if you follow me over on Instagram, <laughs> you know that we got married all over again. And that was definitely wonderful to look forward to and to plan and get excited about and kind of have like this benchmarker um, that had nothing to do with homecoming, but it was a different way to kind of break up the timeline altogether. So I appreciate that about R&R. But there was also this weird apprehension because I, uh, this is, this is my, <laughs> before I told you <laughs> that I have a realism streak, I also have a huge idealism streak as well. I mean, I am an Enneagram four and I am an idealist through and through in, in a lot of ways. Um, I really thought it was going to feel like a honeymoon period, like the beginning of your relationship because if it's only for three weeks, like what can you possibly get into in that amount of time? And because it's for such a short time, like I thought I'm going to be able to keep it light, keep it airy, keep it positive, um, and nothing's going to go wrong. And we're going to get along because we know that we have such a finite amount of time together. So it's just going to be wonderful and nothing's going to be like bad about it. Uh, so I would oscillate between feeling that way, feeling like a super idealist about it. And then there was this little voice inside my head that kind of said, that's probably not very accurate. Um, it would just be like, if you were in a long distance relationship and the problems of your relationship don't just disappear for that amount of time that you're actually physically together, they actually show up and they remind you, <laughs> um, about what you still need to work on as a couple. And I thought that that was very 
similar in this case. I mean, I've done long distance relationships before, so that's kind of what I likened it to where, okay, if we're going to be long distance for a year, say, and we get to see each other after the eight month mark, and it's only for three weeks and we're just going to do our best and it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be awesome. Like, it was wonderful and it was awesome. And that's not what I'm saying. It's more just like, what, what was I thinking? Like, why would I think that the problems that exist in our relationship would suddenly disappear? (laughs) And when I say problems, I don't mean like, oh gosh, we're in trouble and (laughs) everyone needs to worry about our marriage. What I'm saying is, is the things that we struggle and have struggled to communicate to each other accurately and appropriately for the length of our entire relationship showed up during those three weeks. And it frustrated me so badly because all I wanted was to just have a good time and to try and keep things positive. Um, But that wasn't quite, that wasn't quite reality. So here's the thing. We planned to get married all over again in Vegas, which was very romantic in my opinion, because it really came out of this text conversation that we were having with one another. And he just reached out to me out of nowhere um, and said, I mean, he just started saying all these sweet nothings. It's within my highlights somewhere on Instagram. And I definitely want to go back and read it. And I think I took a screenshot on my phone because I was like, dang, I'm I'm really going to need this later. because it was just so, it was so sweet. So he made some sort of comment about how, um, he wanted to marry me all over again. And I was just like, well, okay, so why don't we do that? And he's like, well, can we do that? And I'm like, we can do whatever the fuck we want. If we want to go get married again, we can. Um, and then when I started, you know, researching, like, uh, getting married all over again, what it's actually called is a vow renewal. And that became a little bit more of a triggering statement for me because sometimes vow renewals have a negative connotation because it's usually about like, oh, what trauma in your relationship led you to need to recommit to each other, which I think is very noble and amazing, but none of that happened. And it also wasn't associated with any um, like prominent anniversary necessarily. I mean, yes, we will have been together for seven years here in a couple months, um, married for five. So I suppose you could attach it to that, but that's not what our line of thinking was. Um, so we're preparing for this, for getting married all over again, for having this little ceremony. And I'm researching chapels to do this at and trying to figure out the logistics of everything. And meanwhile, he's trying to plan the second half of his R&R, which is when we would go and get my stepkids. We were hoping to go skiing um, and do a couple other things, which we did actually get to do. So we had kind of like split up responsibilities in terms of planning his time here. And it did give me something really positive to look forward to. I got to pick out another dress. I got to think through, you know, how am I going to do my makeup? How am I going to do my hair? I need the right bra for the dress. What kinds of shoes am I going to wear? Am I getting new shoes? What's going on? Like all of the same things that happen when you're planning a wedding, 
basically happened for those preparations. And there was a moment when it felt very stressful, when it felt like, oh crap, the to-do list is actually, you can probably hear that, the ween, <laughs> one of the weans <laughs> was shaking. Um, it felt like the to-do list got rather long. And for a minute there, we thought that we were going to invite people to this ceremony. And in the end, we kind of just decided to do it by ourselves. So once the to-do list kind of started to ramp up a little bit, I was getting a little like nervous and stressed about it. And then I just had to remind myself, like it's Vegas, like everybody does everything quote unquote last minute, because one of the beauties of being a tourist in Vegas is that you can do whatever you want. So it just wasn't, it just wasn't as stressful or, um, like pressured as I thought, uh, initially, because then I kind of calmed down and I was like, all right, I can do this. We're going to get everything together and everything's going to be fine. And it's going to be a lovely time. Well, folks, yes, there were lots of lovely moments. I loved being with my husband, not at home. We went on a trip, all of the cool things that you hope to do together as a married couple basically happened on this trip. And also I picked a gigantic fight with him. Hey, male spouse, I interrupt this episode to ask you a really important question. If you have a deployed spouse, I wonder what it would look like for you if you could get support on this journey now, instead of shoving your needs down for the 50th time. If you already know you need something like this, I have a deployment support kit for you. Head on over to jaylaray.com forward slash deployment kit to grab your free resources created just for you to help you establish a routine while your spouse is deployed. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about how to establish a routine, but I am going to tell you about how to get more emotional support in your life. So head on over to jaylaray.com forward slash deployment kit, and I'll include it in the show notes as well. And I've been trying to wrap my mind around why on earth I would choose R&R time, precious, finite time to argue with him. And I think the conclusion, since I've been ruminating about it for a couple of weeks, I think the conclusion to that is that uh, you can miss arguing with somebody. If they're not around to have a conflict with or to argue and to like get to the other side of that and to feel um, as long as the argument isn't like too big or too heated, it can actually feel like productive in some ways sometimes. Um, I, I know there are a lot of you who have either recently experienced deployment or you're experiencing it now. Um, I'm going to be preaching to the choir when I say this, but like we miss everything about our relationships when they are away, um, and even arguing. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, then maybe I might be the only one or, um, or, you know, exactly what that means, because it's just, it's all of those couple moments and all those relationship moments that you miss out on while they're away. And I think what I realized is that I kind of missed 
getting to the other side of an argument and feeling closer and bonded because we came to an agreement, we kind of compromised on something, we both felt heard, we both felt seen. That's ultimately what I was going for. But of course, in the moment while I was picking the fight, I had no reasoning skills. Um, I mean, it was Vegas, so I'm sure I don't need to tell you that I had had a couple drinks <laughs> and it's not as though I was like belligerent or anything, but I definitely felt, um, probably a little bit more angry than I normally would feel. Um, but I, I think that's the conclusion I've come to is that I actually missed arguing with him and it's not that we haven't argued while he's been away, but it's very different trying to do that virtually because usually what happens is you get in a text argument because you can't like video chat or you haven't like the conversation is spread out or the time zone doesn't align. And so like things get very, you know, spread apart basically. Um, and you use what technology you have <laughs> to have the argument. So I feel really stupid and I feel really guilty. Um, but yeah, I picked a huge fight with him over gambling. Um, hello, we're in Vegas. I knew that he was going to gamble. Um, I also made something his fault when it absolutely was not his fault. Um, I did the Enneagram four thing where I like pulled him in, pushed him away, pulled him in, pushed him away. Um, I, yeah, I was really struggling. I was really struggling. And I do think it's unfortunate that that happened, like not in the comfort of our own home. And we were actually on a trip because it, it just felt less, um, I guess it just felt more challenging to kind of come to a conclusion about it. Um, and basically the conclusion was, uh, first of all, your blood sugar is low and you need to eat and you're not being yourself because you had a couple drinks on low blood sugar. So let's go eat my love. This is him talking to me. Let's go eat a meal and then we can finish the conversation. Hey, hi. <laughs> Um, I'm hypoglycemic and when I get low blood sugar, like, please don't, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Um, just give me food because if I'm to that point, I've already been hungry for an hour and a half. I just didn't tell you. And now there's no hope for any of us. That's basically what happens. So anyway, I feel really badly that I did that. I apologize the next day. This was actually before our ceremony because we did the ceremony on, um, Sunday night. And this happened sometime on like Saturday or something. Um, so yeah, anyway, there's, there's my embarrassing tale about how I picked a fight with my husband on finite time during R and R. So if we go back to me saying, I thought that this would feel a lot like a honeymoon period. Um, I think what I mean by that is that we would be really easy and chill with one another, but actually we still have <laughs> control freak tendencies over one another. And that usually comes down to like logistical things. Like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, this is what I want to do. Well, that's not what I want to do. Okay, cool. Now we're at an impasse. What do we do? Um, what time do we go to bed? What time are we waking up? What are the plans that we are committing to while we're here? What are the plans we're not committing to while we're here. 
Um, we did so little planning for the trip that I actually think that kind of like came back to bite us because then we were, I felt like we were running out of time the whole time we were there. I was having an extremely difficult time remaining present because I kept thinking, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. What are we going to do with our time? Like how, how best do we spend this time? Um, we finally got like couples massages on like Sunday morning, which was the same day as our ceremony. We should have done that when we arrived, like that would have been great. Cause that was a chance for us to actually chill and relax and then like settle in to the rest of the trip. So note to y'all, if you're going to do massages on a trip, do it on the first day or the second day of the trip, highly recommend not repeating our mistake. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just, just all of those like logistical things where he and I typically struggle over those kinds of things just in everyday life. So of course that followed us, um, over R and R even while on a trip in Vegas. Um, and we have very different ideas of what vacation looks like. Sometimes my priorities are, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? And in what way am I going to relax? And his version of vacation is, yes, he wants to know when he's eating, but he also only eats one meal a day. So hi, he waits around. <laughs> he has to wait around <laughs> for me a lot of the time. And he likes to gamble. And I don't. <laughs> I have a couple like specific things that I like to do with gambling, but like, I can only do it for so long. My threshold is about 40 minutes, like on myself gambling and then watching someone else is gamble is like, uh, can be kind of torturous sometimes to me. Cause it's just not very fun or engaging. Um, so we already know that about one another, but we were just kind of like butting heads over those kinds of things on this trip. And to be honest, I don't even know if like if you asked him to recount everything that happened in Vegas, I have no idea what he would focus on. I don't even know if he has the same perception as me um, about what happened in Vegas or what didn't happen in Vegas. So <laughs> it's kind of a mystery to me. Maybe I should ask him what his overall impressions were, but yeah. So anyway, we did the ceremony. It was very romantic. We took pictures. I love him very much. We wrote vows to one another. They were dirty vows, which I really appreciated because we made someone in the room blush. It was awesome. Um, he brought, you guys, you guys, he brought the Enneagram into his vows this is how you know inception is working. This is how you know you are talking about something enough when I didn't even talk about the Enneagram in our vows because I told myself, please don't do that. This is not the time nor the place. He doesn't want to hear about your four wing three, his three wing fourness in these vows. Please leave it out. So I included a bunch of like inside jokes and lines from songs and movies kind of like embedded in this four line haiku. Oh my God, I'm such a four. And he wrote two lines, wait, three lines. He talked about him being an Enneagram three and I was shocked. I was like, what in the world? That is the sexiest thing. I love you so much. Let's make out. Okay. So all that happened. Um, and we had a limo and it was really cool. 
Um, we both had, I don't, have I ever been in a limo? I think I've maybe been in a limo like one time and he had been in a limo like one time. So <laughs> that was kind of fun. I was like, oh, and it was a really like old cheesy Vegas limo that they had kind of like tried to, um, like maybe it had been re upholstered at some point, but it was still just very like the radio back there was very old. I was like, oh my God, I couldn't have done this on purpose if I tried. Um, I don't think you could call it like, oh, like they wouldn't brand it as like a vintage limo, but it felt very old and I liked it. I was into it. Um, so yeah, we did all that. And then for the second part of R&R was when we were going to go pick up my stepkids, we were going to go skiing in Colorado and then bring them back here to Texas for a week. And then Jeremy was going to take them back home to their mom. Um, and we did all that and it was awesome. We did ski lessons for the very first time. I grew up in Utah. I, um, I never really wanted to ski when I lived in Utah, but also I just felt like it was very financially out of reach anyway. Um, so I never really asked my mom to go. Um, I think a part of me wanted to try snowboarding, at least in college, because I went to, I went to Westminster college in, um, sugar house, also known as just like sugar houses inside of Salt Lake city, um, in Salt Lake city, Utah. And then eventually I transferred and I went out of state, but, um, I hung out with a lot of ski bums in college and they like exposed me to like what the ski culture actually looked like. Like I had grown up there and had never been on the inside of that. And they made it look real freaking cool. I was like, okay, I dig this. Like there's a ski resort. There's like other activities, people tailgate. Um, there's always a bar. There's always drinks flowing. There's always like fun being had. Maybe there's music, you know, all this stuff that um, I thought it might be. It was, <laughs> we were at Arapahoe Basin. Um, this is just outside of like, outside of Longhorn, outside of Breckenridge. Um, and it's a very, apparently it's like a, I don't know if I can call it world-class, but definitely like nationally <laughs> renowned, um, ski resort. Uh, so yeah, that was really cool. Um, I couldn't really do it very well, but that's okay. I took the lesson. I tried the altitude definitely got me. And because I rested, I didn't actually get altitude sickness. So proud of myself for listening to my body and kind of doing what I could, I guess. So that's kind of like an update on what's going on, except there's another piece of news, two other pieces of news. Um, so we actually know when we're PCSing this summer, sure, it might change. The date might actually shift, but at this point it's feeling rather solid because they went back and forth on it for a good I don't know, six weeks or something. Um, if you're just hearing this now and we haven't been introduced, um, we are also PCSing this year. And so it's been really challenging to figure out the deployment on top of PCS season and how to manage both of those timelines. Um, but we are moving to Rome, Italy this summer in August. The month the precise month that we did not want to move is the month that we are moving. So everybody pray for us because it's going to be interesting. Um, that also means that Jeremy is coming home in mid June, which is about a month earlier than planned, 
we had hoped for two months earlier, um, but this, this is just where we're at. Uh, so he'll be home in mid-June, which will mean that he did an 11th month deployment, 11 month deployment. Uh, my God, I can't talk deployment rather than 12 months. This has been one of the longest weeks of my life. It's just hitting me. It's Friday night and <laughs> wow, I cannot speak. Um, okay. And then for the other piece of news, um, I think some of you who listen to this podcast already know this, but I actually lost my job recently. Um, so that's been quite a change and, um, experience to kind of come to terms with, um, at the time that I'm recording this, I haven't actually like left. I still have a couple weeks left. Um, but it's been really hard to think through what my next steps are. Um, and when I show up for y'all here in mill spouse mentor land, um, I mean, I've always wanted to be able to show up more and do more and provide more support. So I'm excited to have a little bit more space to do that. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, this is it. And I don't need <laughs> some other form of employment. So I'm also on an employment hunt and, um, while preparing for PCS and trying to get medically cleared, uh, and trying to do a lot of that alone. So this has been, an incredibly challenging month. Um, and I really just wanted to take a moment to thank everybody who has been there for me and who has sent me really encouraging, uplifting messages and, um, to my friends and to my family who have sent me all their love because this has been real, real hard. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I wish for no R and R, but the heartbreak of him leaving all over again has been pretty awful. And this week I've just been trying to support myself in the ways that I've learned for the past eight months, which is to stick to a workout schedule and no, not for just like vanity purposes, but to like move the emotions through my body <laughs> and to release more stuff, um, rather than letting it all kind of get trapped inside my chest and making me feel heavier than I need to feel. Um, it also, I mean, it helps me a little bit with, with a little bit more energy, but honestly, I'm just very emotionally drained. And so I feel like if I weren't working out, I would be flatlined, but because I'm working out, I'm sort of at like, just just at the bar, basically not below the bar or above the bar, but just right there. Um, so yeah. All right, y'all. Well, there's going to be a lot of exciting things coming up in April. There's a couple features of mine coming out. I'm teaching a masterclass over at AMSI, um, about the Enneagram. We're going to have a lot of podcast content going on deployment related, Enneagram related. There might be some cool things happening over on the Instagram universe or on the zoom universe. So keep your eye out and I will see you next time. Thanks so much, everybody. Mm -hmm.